Welcome to Disarming Persuasion, the podcast for sales and business leadership professionals. My name is Dave Rosenberg, and I am the founder and principal at Locked On Leadership, a consulting firm with a mission to replace Thank God It's Friday with Thank God It's Monday. With me is my co-host, a man who can literally teach sales with one hand tied behind his back, Darren Cecil. Filling in for Darren, the amazing Anne Bonnie. And what are we going to talk about today? I think we need to talk about mental toughness, Dave. There you go squeaking again. I'm... Can you oil your larynx yeah, there? I get excited to be here with you, Dave. I don't blame you. You are only I, human. Right? I mean, that makes anybody's voice go up. God. All right. Lose the helium. I just, I just broke a window next door. <laughs> Well, you are a former opera singer. I'm sure breaking crystal is not difficult. You know, it's what we practiced in school. Did you really? Breaking crystal? Yeah. No, that was just my pastime. <laughs> and who is crystal and how did you break her? Yeah, right. She came to one of my discomfort retreats, Dave. Wow. Okay. <laughs> and she works the plug in as well. So <laughs> we're, you we're... always call me out on that. You sneak them in and I'm all like classy and you're like calling me out. Because you're all classy and I'm me. Oh. Right. <laughs> if we're not genuine, we're nothing. And it's a good thing I'm mentally tough, Dave. Yeah. So is that what I, we're talking about today? I think we should. I think it's a great topic, especially now with everything that's going on in the world. What's going on in the world? Unknowns. Unknowns. Which is normal. It's just about- bigger, scarier unknowns now. You know, I'm not sure if they're bigger and scarier or with information flowing as readily as it is that we're just, you know, it's, it's more in our face than it ever has been before. I think that's true. I think that's true about negative news these days is you see negative head, you see the same negative headline so many times that it feels like it's way bigger than it actually is. And it's funny about negative news. Um, but you know, they've done studies that our, our, our limbic brain or our reptilian brain has been designed to react much stronger to negativity, right? It's a survival trait. I think I've mentioned yeah. this before. Yeah. And so um, the the news, well, newspapers have always known this, yellow journalism. That's what it's all about, right? Because if it bleeds, it leads, right? That just, mm-hmm. so that negativity, people are like rabid about it. And in fact, our social media now takes advantage of that by through their algorithms fomenting uh, discord because that's what gets people engaged. And that's how they make their money. Mm-hmm. So So, we've got to be more mentally tough. And I just read that book that I showed you, The Comfort Crisis, that talks about the more comfortable we get, the less resilient we are. And so now you've got us all being more comfortable with security in our jobs and the expectations that we have of life and, you know, just life being more comfortable in general. And then you add to that all the negative stressors and all the bad news and all that. And I mean, we're less resilient, less mentally tough, less mentally healthy than we've ever been, at least as Americans. Yeah, I think there's a lot, a lot to that. You know, if if we lived in 900 uh, AD in what is modern day, the United Kingdom, but at that point was seven different kingdoms being invaded by the Danes, where any moment now, a horde of ravaging Vikings um, can you know, be cresting the hill to kill you, 
then being made fun of is really not a big problem. Right. I, was, I mean, even 100 years ago, you didn't even have to go to 900 BC and there was more mortal danger, challenge, survival than there is now. Right. And, and what we're really talking about is where we exist on Maslow's hierarchy, one of my favorite hierarchies. Um, of all the hierarchies of I all have. all the different hierarchies, Maslow's <laughs> is my favorite. Um, but, but seriously, you know, we're, so we exist in that um, esteem, self-actualization place, you know, right. more of us, I think today are able to work doing the things we feel like we're meant to do in the mm -hmm. self-actualization space. And so our relative sense of danger, if we were sitting there at, at safety and security, you know, or physiological, where we're just worried about putting food on the table, where we have no other needs at that point. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, so now our whole sense of danger is skewed. Mm -hmm. And that's it. And that's what's creating all the anxiety and all the depressive disorders and all the, the mental health disorders, the pandemic that we're having as far as mental health. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, I think somebody might argue, and I'm, I'm just putting this out as a devil's advocate, that those mental health conditions still existed 200 years ago, uh, 1100 years ago, right? They still existed. They just were let, they were unimportant. Well, yeah, you couldn't spend as much time thinking about it because you're still trying to run away from the bear or eat the bear. Right. <laughs> right. Well, actually, you know, remember, you don't have to be faster than a bear, just faster than your friend. Right. That's why I hang out with you, Dave. <laughs> Everybody's faster than me. <laughs> they say we resemble our pets. You've got turtles, Dave. It was obvious. Tortoise. He takes exception. Sorry. I think he weighs more than you, too, isn't he? Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> anyway... I, you know, I've been doing a lot of sessions on mental toughness lately because a lot of my clients are asking for it. And I broke it down into four aspects. They are the self-awareness piece, the self-regulation, the social connections, the forward momentum, and then change and risk tolerance. Okay. So this is new to me. You're okay paradigm on on mental toughness mm -hmm. you know I, I can break and i'm going to save this i'm going to open loop i can break mental toughness down into one really simple saying but we're going to save that for later no i want you to start i know you do oh prepare to be disappointed <laughs> welcome to discomfort and yep yep hope you're mentally tough because here it comes yeah we're gonna we're, we're gonna see can you can you walk the talk so what are those four again? Okay, you've got social, I'm sorry, self-regulation, the self-peace. You've got social connections that help you be more mentally tough. You've got forward momentum and understanding where you're going and why. And then change and risk tolerance, so all contributing to your mental toughness. So walk through that model for me. So we have self-regulation, which to me sounds like... Um, at least a piece of um, emotional intelligence. Yes. So I'm guessing that what you mean by that is a being aware of our mental or emotional state and how, how we're reacting to the situation. And then not just being aware of it, 
then controlling it and saying, you know what, I'm, I'm not, you know, I, I want to scream and yell like an idiot, but I'm not going there. Or I'm going to go there in a room with a couch cushion to push punch so that I don't walk on my office, boss's office and do it to him or her or them. So it's how we control our emotion. Well, it's, yeah, exactly. It's, it's finding a constructive way to express emotions, which starts with the recognition of the fact that we are emotional creatures as humans. And we get mad, we get upset, we get angry, we get intimidated, we get happy, we get all these emotions and that the emotions aren't the problem. It's what we do as a result of them. That's a problem. Yeah. I'm going to challenge that though a little bit. Not, not, not the whole cool. concept. The, the, the idea that it's okay for me to go and into a private room and, and punch a pillow instead of my boss. Now I'm not saying going punching your boss is the right thing to do. That's, that's career limiting move, Dave. That may be why you're self-employed. Well, it's one way of looking at it. the other way of looking at it is it could be a career expanding move. <laughs> you have a lot of options after you get fired. Right. And a rap sheet and get out of jail. Yeah. There's well, I that. guess you have fewer options after you get out of jail. That's a good point. I'm so, here to bring all the light to the situation. Yeah, point and okay. Um, one, we're keeping score, but but seriously, to me, that's not mental toughness. Oh, it's a coping mechanism for for angst and being upset, but I don't see that as contributing to mental toughness. Oh, okay, folks, she has got the scorecard up there, and she's rubbing that in my face, but it doesn't bother me because I am mentally tough, right? So, and I understand what you're saying, that that's a coping mechanism, but people who are mentally tough are able to do that. People who are not mentally tough are not able to recognize and regulate the emotions and the emotional responses that they're having. Right. But I I think my point is, um, sorry, I almost went Chevy Chase on you, but I won't do this on this show. It's your show, Dave. Yeah. Jane, you ignorant. (laughs) point for an snl reference dave one to one all right thank you um where was it oh right so uh, my point is that from a mental toughness perspective if i have to go into a room and hit a pillow like i said granted that's better than hitting your boss or your sibling or your mom or dad spouse whoever Mm -hmm. anybody well no there may be some people i think it's okay to hit too but we'll leave that aside totally different podcast Right. Um, that's still not mental toughness. To me, the mental toughness is, is, is in spite of that anger, okay, or that strong emotion, acting. Acting appropriately. Is, well, I mean, that's the second piece of it. But being able to constructively express the emotion is essentially what I'm saying here, is to be able to, if you are so angry that you need to get it out, to get it out, so that then I can go have a constructive conversation that actually solves problems rather than adding to my troubles. Okay. Because a mentally tough, a non-mentally tough person has a really hard time getting beyond the anger to actually have a constructive collaborative conversation. It's the mentally tough person that can say, all right, I'm mad. I'm going to go to the boxing gym for a couple hours tonight. And then I'm going to have more mental clarity to be able to think through how I want to approach this situation to actually do something positive in fixing it. 
I see where you're going with this. Excellent. Um, I'm not quite sure I 100% agree. And, and, and I guess part of my issue is like, all right, going to the gym and working out, I see that as a positive coping mechanism. Yep. Going into your private room and beating up a pillow. Yes, I know it's a pillow. And what's the difference between a pillow and a punching bag? I'm not sure. That just seems like a tantrum to me. Yeah. Have you ever had a tantrum, Dave? They're really fun and you feel better afterwards. Uh, And perhaps the difference here is that you are looking to boil mental toughness down into a a definition of uh, what is it. And part of what I'm talking about is not only what is it, but how do we get there? And so I, we may be approaching this from different angles. Yeah, well, how to get there, I think, is really important for those people who don't have it. And, and right. they do want to come in. So, so let's move on from, from okay. that. What's your second um, step or whatever you want to call that? Yeah, so I mean, all of that is, there's a few pieces of that self-regulation from expressing the emotions to giving yourself a break for not being perfect, managing self-talk, all of that. And then the social connection is the second aspect of it because as we are herd animals <laughs> our we brains are, are we, and we've talked about this before our yeah. brains are wired to need that social connection and if we don't have it it's really it b- bumps us down on your favorite hierarchy and we're now worried about survival on a really difficult to understand level because we don't feel like we're part of a tribe and we don't have that support that our limbic brain wants. So if, if what you're saying is that by having good social connections, it gives us the strength to be mentally tough, right? Right. Because now it's like, you know what? I'm going to go talk to my friend, Ann. And, and I, I couldn't agree more. Right. Excellent. So developing mental, developing mental, developing social connections enhances our ability to deal with mentally difficult, emotionally challenging situations. And, you know, it's funny, we're talking about mental toughness, but we're really talking about emotional toughness, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. Because we don't need to be mentally tough in the easy situations. It's when the emotions are charged, when we're scared, when we're upset, angry, frustrated. I just bought this cool wheel of emotions and it talks about all of the 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 iterations of anger. Wow. Right? 16. Yeah. And that's all of these out here. And then there's eight here. And yeah. You mean, wow. Everything pl- from suspicious to irritated to furious and resentful. But, all so very, I'm, very different. I'm pissed that there aren't 15. Well, uh, you're going to have to work on that on your own, Dave. There's a couch cushion in the thing. You can have a little tantrum. <laughs> well, I've got good friends like you I can talk to about it. So See, you've got social connections, Dave. You're already mentally tough. All right. So social connections. What was your next one? Yep. Next one is forward momentum. Understanding where you're going and having that hope for the future. And I don't necessarily mean I want to make $100,000 in 2022. It may be. I want to be a great parent, or I want to raise a healthy tortoise, or I want to contribute positive things to the world. It's just like your big why and having that vision. 
Yeah. So I agree with what you're saying. I think it actually can be distilled down to even less than that. I don't, I don't think you need. I like to use a lot of words, Dave. I don't know if you've noticed that. And I like to talk in a high pitched voice. Yeah. Can you be quiet for a second? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) So folks, by the way, just a, a total aside has nothing to do with this conversation, but I just think you, you, you need to be amazed. And it actually decided to go on a 12 day s- silence retreat. Of course, she only, didn't get, she didn't it was get only 10 there. days. It was 10 days. I, I, I was really anxious to, to, to hear the results of that, but she didn't make it. But, you know, that um, sounds like quite a test for Anne. At, at any rate, <laughs> back to our show. I know right now our listeners are going, are you kidding me? No way. I, yeah. Right. Um, to me, the, 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 how did you for, phrase this? A future? Just for momentum, for understanding momentum. what you're aiming at. Yeah. I, I don't even think you need to have an aim, right? Because what happens if you, you don't have to aim? You're, it comes up in a situation where you're not necessarily goal oriented, right? And it's right. I, I could see where it's like, okay, keep my eye on the ball. Don't be distracted by this feeling, which I think is what you're saying, right? I have, I have this idea of what it is I want to achieve and something's frustrating me. So, let me just keep my eye on the ball and where I'm going. And I don't disagree with that as a, as a good coping mechanism, but what happens if somebody gets angry and in a situation where it's not really readily apparent what they're trying to achieve. So well, I, I mean, I mean the bigger why not just in that particular situation, maybe it's who I want to be as a person. Maybe it's, you know, I mean, this is the bigger, not necessarily situation specific though. It can be. Right. But even then, like, I just think of my life and, you know, as I, as everyone knows, I, you know, I'm 60 years old. Um, and I would say first half of my life, I didn't really know who, like the thought of the, the question, who do I want to be as a person? I'd have answered up until probably close to 40, um, something to the effect of like, well, I just am right. What do you mean? Who do I want to be? I want to be me. Who, then, of course, the following question, I, I, I want to be me. Sorry. Um, I gotta be me. There you go. Thank you. I know I could get you to sing. Thank you, Ethel Merman. Yeah. Um, wow. Um, right. But I, 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 I'm, I'm me. I, I, it's not a, I'm not trying to be something I'm not. I'm just me. But so often in those younger times of our lives, we've got things we're trying to accomplish, you know? I mean, I was trying to climb the corporate ladder. I was trying to, you know, get more fit. I, you know, I mean, and it can be this range of whys, but you want to distill it down. Well, not even distill it down. I think there's 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 another aspect of this that is being missed that, at least for me, has always helped, right? Mm-hmm. Which is when things are going wrong, what's my my perspective, right? And this can be going wrong, even as when I was really, really young, like, you know, when I say really, really young, somebody... Well, probably none of our listeners, but you know, my teens and whatnot. Oh, I thought you meant my age. Well, no, no, <laughs> I was never that young. Um, you know, but you know, I, I remember as a teen, you, just, you have those days where you wake up and you're you're just in a bad, grumpy mood, right? And back then, I used to think, you know, wow, I'm in a grumpy mood, and not it was never like a thought process of, well, I'm going to be this way the rest of my life. It was always like, you know, I know at some point I recognized fairly early on that. I'm going to wake up one day tomorrow, the next day, I'm not sure when, and I'm going to be in a phenomenal mood. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, I, I always viewed it as a roller coaster. I'm like, yeah, I, I happen to be at the bottom of the hill. 
but that just means that top is right around the corner. Today, I actually have a saying, I didn't develop this. I, I read this, I don't know, five, 10 years ago, but it's an unattributed Irish saying, I'm told. I can't speak to the truth of the history. And it's simply this, everything works out in the end. If it hasn't worked out, it's, it's not, not the end. The end. Mm-hmm. And right, so that's another t- sort of future thinking where it's like things are going wrong. It's like, you know, and some people say when you're going through hell, keep on moving, right? Yep. It's, the, it's the same concept. Just mm-hmm. keep trogging forward. And one day this too will end. It's just mm-hmm. that certainty without having to know what, what my goals are and keep my IDs on. It's, it's going to be over. Right. And we're saying the same thing. Oftentimes yeah. people who are not mentally tough don't see that it's ever going to get better. Yeah. And frankly, I think they end up making their own hell. You know, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. I, like I said, I don't disagree with the concept. But I just think focusing just on like some sort of big picture goal. I think you just need to recognize the fact that, you know, there are some bad days and some good days. And, mm-hmm. and it's just, it really is that simple mm-hmm. for me, at least. Yeah. All right. So that's three out of four, right? We had, we had, um, Okay, I, I should have written these down so I could rattle them off and pretend I'm smart. But self awareness, self awareness, social connection, She's forward good. thinking, momentum, be able to see something right. good in the future, and having a good memory. No, uh, the last one was change and risk tolerance. Yeah. I'd... What's interesting to me is I, I would think that's a result of good mental toughness. How is that a coping mechanism or a way to develop it or right? Having the belief that change is inevitable and playing the hand rather than banging on the door of your old comfort zone. Yeah. I I, I think recognition that nothing is ever the same. Right. Yeah. I couldn't. couldn't. And And the ability to take the risk to step off of the porch of the old comfort zone, if that's what needs to happen. Well, there's no, you know, it's interesting. I recognized a long time ago, I started, you know, I got my first weight set when I was 13 years old. And so, um, and I know you were a bodybuilder. I've seen the pictures. Um, <laughs> and yeah, she's there's my trophy. Oh yeah. There are the trophies behind her. <laughs> um, and, and I mean, Anne was quite uh, accomplished. I don't know about from a world perspective, but I just know, we're not talking about like a 13 year old kid who's pumping iron and pretending he's Arnold. She's like, you know, Corey Eberson type. Um, oh my. Who, by the way, I had Thanksgiving dinner with Corey Eberson in 1990 in Hong Kong. Excellent. I look forward to Googling who that is. Oh, she was uh, like uh, three times, four times Miss Olympian. Like uh, her husband, I think it's Jeff, but he was also a, a big time, you know, bodybuilder. So cool. Yeah. I was nothing like that. Yeah. Um, but for a week and a half, I had a phenomenal figure. <laughs> ripped like nobody's business. Mm. So at, at any rate, um, I've completely gotten off topic. Oh, so what I learned early on, of course, is, you know, no pain, no gain. Right. And so change is often discomfort, uncomfortable, but it also yields your biggest, best improvements. And so I've embraced change. My it, It's almost to the point of a problem because I like every six years I'm reinventing myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Just raise her hand, her too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
And, you know, I contrast that with, you know, my dad who had the same job for 39 years. Mm-hmm. He did change schools. He went from a junior high school to a high school at one point, but that was the extent of the change in his life. Right. Well, and I mean, and it doesn't mean that we had the right path and he had the wrong path. Um, it's just understanding that if you're staying because you're too scared to get uncomfortable, but you really want something else and you're miserable, that's when it's time to dance in the discomfort zone. And, you know, it's funny because, and I don't want to say he was miserable. He loved teaching. And, right. And he was a homebody, right? He, he had the chance. So my dad loved baseball, like nobody's business. And, and watching baseball with him, he was a baseball player in, in college, okay, through college, a second baseman, and watching baseball with him was amazing because he knew the game so well. He would often make comments before the color commentator would fill in, you know, about how, you know, so-and-so developed a hitch in his swing or, you know, what, whatever, you know, and it was his observations, not because he heard it on, on TV or the radio. He was offered a contract with and I can never remember which one, but one of the Sox organizations. And it was a minor league contract, of course, you know, that's, but, and he didn't want to leave home and he turned it down because for him, this is very common with educators, right? They're from a disc perspective, they're very high uh, S's, right? They, they're, the pace and consistency of their life, they, they dislike change. I think hearing him talk about what, and he, he didn't say it from a lamenting, like, oh, it could have been, but I could always just sort of see this wistfulness in his eyes. And one of my big regrets is I wanted to send him to one of those you know, week-long training camps, you know, but he passed away before I was in a position to do that. Um, I think that's one of the reasons that I am constantly chasing the things that I want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess my point in that diatribe besides giving you a little background on me um, is even with all of that, my dad experienced a ton of change in his life. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it's inevitable. Right. And yep. of course he was mentally tough as well. He, and he really was, he was about as low as, 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 as calm. And of course this is also common with, with people who are high S traits, right? Really even keeled. Steady. Yeah. Mm-hmm rock steady sorry thought we go from ethel merman to uh isn't that heavy metal yeah it is heavy metal i'm trying to include bandits it's not journey anyway um so all right so we have these four traits to help us become more resilient okay Mm -hmm. and i would challenge that mental toughness is a little bit more than resilience resilience is the ability to bounce back i think mental toughness has a level of confidence in with it that not only am I going to bounce back, I know I'm going to bounce back and I'm good. And that goes back to what you were saying about knowing tomorrow is going to be better. Today sucks. Yeah, this is terrible. And I know tomorrow is going to be better. Yeah, absolutely. It's that certainty. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's talk about persuasion. We've been, we've been going on now for probably mm-hmm. close to 30 minutes and it's a really good conversation about getting mental tough. Why should our listeners who are you know in a position in sales or leadership really care? Because sometimes when we're persuading, whether it's in a sales or in a leadership perspective in situation, we need to be able to be assertive and be confident about what we're doing without needing that external validation. 
Um, also, things are going to go wrong. We're going to get rejected. Things are going to get messed up. We're going to try a change in an organization. It's not going to work. Um, and we're going to need to be able to continue marching forward and fix or bounce back from that and lead our teams through that or lead our clients through that when things don't go well. And that takes some stuff. Right. So a couple of things, and you hit on all of them really quickly, right? So as leaders, right, our team is a reflection on us, not on us, of us, Mm -hmm. on us as well, but of us is what I actually intended to say. So if we want them to be mentally tough, not to fall apart when things go wrong, to keep their head in the game so we can get through it, we need to, we need to demonstrate that ourselves. Yeah. And, and, And part of that too is, you know, they're going to look at you and go, he doesn't or she doesn't need to be mentally tough because you're if you're not, then I don't need to be to be in that position. Right. And what you really want is is not that. So that's that's from a leadership perspective. And I think. You know, I'm thinking back, I, I was recently in contact with an association uh, about speaking in their January event. And I mean, it was looking good. How many times you hear that in sales? Mm. Uh, my point of kind, she wanted me, it was going to be blah, blah, blah. And it came down, she's like, okay, so what's the investment in your speaking? And I told her, and, and I look back at my notes and I sent her my brochure, which has my investment, you know, my minimum 7,500 had that list. And I'm like, okay, she's just asking to, to have it handy because we've covered this before. And my normal response to that would have been, let's get on the phone. Right. Be- bless you. Bless you. No, 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 no. I'm going to wait for you to sneeze. Oh, you pre-blessed me and it went away. I know. You stole my sneeze. I did. So isn't that annoying? Point for Dave. She still has me like, what, five to two now? Because she gave herself a point for remembering each one of her own ideas. Um, (laughs) She who controls the whiteboard wins. Um, It's the scorecard, right? It's amazing. Mm -hmm. At any rate, I didn't, I didn't pick up the phone or say, Hey, let's get on a phone call. Let's, you know, cause I, then I would have explored or budget and, you know, we probably would have done something. Instead, I gave her my number. I said 7,500 is my base. This is on email. Yeah. Went against my, my very soul of who I am. Right. And I was, and then ghosted, ghosted, ghosted. And I'm like kicking myself, kicking myself kicking myself right so without mental toughness you just crumble right right instead i never took it out on her or did anything like that and it's not going to happen this year but now at least i'm in a position where i could say listen i appreciate all the hard work you've done and you know 2023 there's always 2023 and right not shoot myself in the foot mm-hmm. yep and it's b- that ability to say okay that didn't go well what can i learn from it and how can I move forward? I'm not going to hit them all out of the park. In fact, right. some of them are going to go right into the pitcher's hand. Speaking of baseball. Catch and it. so, Catch yeah. No, no, no. I hit it. It just uh, went right to the pitcher. I thought you just missed it all together. Oh, no, I hit it. I swung it really hard. And then it went right into the pitcher's mitt. Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, that's that's the whole mental toughness thing. So in the beginning of this episode, because we're winding down here, I don't want to keep people too long. They're busy. You said you wanted to quintessentialize it into one thing. Yeah. I'm ready, Dave. Okay. You're sitting down. Yes, you are. I could see you're sitting down. 
You can't see below my shirt. As far as you know. Sticks camera under my desk, weirdo. Sticks, sticks <laughs> or stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Is that your quintessentializing? It's understanding that words don't hurt us at all. And so situations don't hurt us. Now, knowing that, then, yeah, we're getting angry, but it's like, I'm a whole, I'm hale, I'm healthy, I'm one, I can move forward. I don't need to get mired down in this. I'm going to have to think about your quintessentializing. Feel free. So why don't we do this, folks? Agree with me? Disagree with me? Let us know. Yeah, I'll leave it in the comments. Once I've had a chance to think about this, I'll leave it in the comments what I think. And I'd love to hear what you all think as well. Yeah, it won't hurt my feelings, I promise you. <laughs> Just try. <laughs> because sticks and stones will break my bones. I think that's a saying that has been lost in today's world, by the way. Chuck Norris would agree with you. I'm sure he would because he carried <laughs> sticks. No, actually, I was thinking of Bruce Lee with his nunchucks. Yes. Sticks, sticks on ropes. They will hurt you. They will hurt your bones. Yes, they will. All right. Well, I think we can wrap it up. This has been a little long, but I think a great show. Yeah. A great conversation, Dave, as always. Thank you. As a, all right. I will uh, see you tomorrow morning. Yes. Oh, yeah. I was. Oh, you mean me tomorrow? Yes. Yes. No, our listeners, I never see, unfortunately. I was about to say, I'm like, are you talking to them? What are you doing with them tomorrow? They're, they're eavesdropping on our little private conversation. Oh, hey, guys. Welcome. Thank you. All right. Next time. <laughs> That concludes another episode of Disarming Persuasion. My name's Dave Rosenberg. And this is Darren Cecil. Visit our websites at LockedOnLeadership.com or DarrenCecil.com. Follow us on social media. You can find the links in the show notes. Remember, if they fail to make a decision, you failed to disarm them. <laughs>